Lord, I have loved the habitation of thy house and the place where thine honor dwelleth. Let us humbly confess our sins unto Almighty God. Almighty and most merciful Father, we have erred and strayed from thy ways like lost sheep. We have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. We have offended against thy holy laws. We have left undone those things which we ought to have done. And we have done those things which we ought not to have done, and there is no health in us. But thou, O Lord, have mercy upon us, miserable offenders. Spare thou those, O God, who confess their faults. Restore thou those who are penitent, according to thy promises declared unto mankind, in Christ Jesus our Lord. And grant, O most merciful Father, for his sake, that we may hereafter live a godly, righteous, and sober life, to the glory of thy holy name. Amen. The Almighty and merciful Lord grant you absolution and remission of all your sins, true repentance, amendment of life, and the grace and consolation of his Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. O Lord, open thou our lips. And our mouth shall show forth thy praise. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost. As it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Praise ye the Lord. The Lord's name be praised. Psalms 84 and 134, beginning on page 445. O oh, how amiable are thy dwellings, thou Lord of hosts! My soul hath a desire and longing to enter into the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh rejoice in the living God. Yea, the sparrow hath found her in house, and the swallow a nest where she may lay her young. Even thy altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Blessed are they that dwell in thy house. They will be always praising thee. Blessed is the man whose strength is in thee, in whose heart is thy, are thy ways. Who, going through the veil of misery, use it for a well, and the pools are filled with water. They will go from strength to strength, and unto the God of gods appeareth every one of them in Zion. O Lord of hosts, O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Hearken, O God of Jacob. Behold, O God, our defender and look upon the face of thine anointed. For one day in thy courts is better than a thousand. I had rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of ungodliness. For the Lord God is a light and defense. The Lord will give grace and worship, and no good thing shall be with he withhold from them that live a godly life. O Lord God of hosts, Blessed is the man that putteth his trust in thee. Psalm 134 Behold now, praise the Lord. 
all ye servants of the Lord. Ye that by night stand in the house of the Lord, even in the courts of the house of our God. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and praise the Lord. The Lord that made heaven and earth give thee blessing out of Zion. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost. As it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. It begins chapter 13 of the book of Ezekiel. And the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, prophesy against the prophets of Israel who prophesy, and say to those who prophesy out of their own heart, Hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, Woe to the foolish prophets who follow their own spirit and have seen nothing. O Israel, your prophets are like foxes in the deserts. You have not gone up into the gaps to build a wall for the house of Israel to stand in battle on the day of the Lord. They have envisioned futility and false divination, saying, Thus says the Lord. But the Lord has not sent them, yet they hope that the word may be confirmed. Have you not seen a futile vision, and have you not spoken a false divination? You say, the Lord says, but I have not spoken. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, because you have spoken nonsense and envisioned lies, therefore I am indeed against you, says the Lord God. My hand will be against the prophets who envision futility and who divine lies. They shall not be in the assembly of my people, nor be written in the record of the house of Israel, nor shall they enter into the land of Israel. Then you shall know that I am the Lord God. Here ends the first lesson. My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. For he hath regarded the lowliness of his handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. For he that is mighty hath magnified me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on them that fear him throughout all generations. He hath showed strength with his arm. He hath scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He hath put down the mighty from their seat, and hath exalted the humble and meek. He hath filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he hath sent empty away. He, remembering his mercy, hath holpen his servant Israel, as he promised to our forefathers, Abraham and his seed forever. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning is now and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Here begins the 19th verse of the second chapter of Second Timothy. Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands, having this seal. The Lord knows those who are his, and let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honor and some for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. Flee also youthful lusts, but pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. But avoid foolish and ignorant disputes, knowing that they generate strife. And a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient, in humility correcting those who are in opposition, if God perhaps will grant them repentance, so that they may know the truth, and that they may come to their senses, and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. Here ends the second lesson. Lord, 
Now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace, according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, to be a light to lighten the Gentiles, and to be the glory of thy people Israel. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven, and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with thy spirit. Let us pray. O Lord, show thy mercy upon us. And grant us thy salvation. O Lord, save the state. And mercifully hear us when we call upon thee. And do thy ministers with righteousness. And make thy chosen people joyful. O Lord, save thy people. And bless thine inheritance. Give peace in our time, O Lord. For it is thou, Lord, only that makest us dwell in safety. O God, may clean our hearts within us. And take not thy Holy Spirit from us. O Almighty God, who has committed to the hands of men the ministry of reconciliation, we humbly beseech thee by the inspiration of thy Holy Spirit to put it into the hearts of many to offer themselves for this ministry, that thereby mankind may be drawn to thy blessed kingdom. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Keep we beseech thee, O Lord, thy church with thy perpetual mercy, and because of the frailty of man without thee cannot but fall, keep us ever by thy help from all things hurtful, and lead us to all things profitable to our salvation, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. O God, from whom all holy desires, all good counsels, and all just works do proceed, give unto thy servants that peace which the world cannot give, that our hearts may be set to obey thy commandments, and also that by thee, we being defended from the fear of our enemies, may pass our time in rest and quietness, through the merits of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Lighten our darkness, we beseech thee, O Lord, and by thy great mercy defend us from all perils and dangers of this night, for the love of thy only Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Be to all. Happy uh, Ember Day. Uh, it's the autumnal Ember, Ember Days right now. And as we've been discussing this week, these are days when we meditate on the meaning of the pastoral work of the church, um, and particularly the, um, you know, the, we pray for the renewal of that pastoral ministry and the raising up of new ministers for the church. Um, and tonight we have a, well, wow, just kind of a, have some real impactful lessons along that mark. It's best to begin in the Psalms. And again, as we've, we've noted before, to, to have a, a duo of Psalms uh, is to be provided in the lectionary and the wisdom of the lectionary by, with a kind of um, 
a two-part lens through which to look at the lessons. And so we have to look at them together first. And in Psalm 84, we get this progressive psalm that the movement of which um, moves along a threefold repetition in the, in the Hebrew poetry of the word blessed. And it's translated as blessed in at least two of those instances. And in the third one, a different phrasing is chosen, but, in, it, but that word is begins three different of these verses in verses four, five, and 12. And that's the movement of this, of this, um, this, this uh, poem of prayer. And so in the, as we start off the psalm, we are looking at a, a meditation on um, the blessing of those who have the privilege of dwelling near the temple. And this is referring primarily to the priests and the workers and the prophets who are in Solomon's temple. They have rooms that are built into the kind of outer structure of the walls of the temple and dwell there so that they can come and go and do their duties in a kind of continuous way. Uh, priests in the temple were on call 24 seven. Um, and so they had a, they had a ministry, you know, that was public facing during the day. Uh, and they, they met, they received people who came to the temple and offered their sacrifices and, you know, you know, uh, you know, declared them clean of their illnesses and, and absolved, declared them absolved of their guilt. Um, and then also in the night season, in the nighttime, though, as we'll read in Psalm 134, there was this, um, this nighttime ministry of the, of the uh, people who dwelled in the temple to keep the fires burning, um, for one, uh, to keep the, the torches lit um, so that the fire could be renewed each day. And then also to offer and to prepare the temple for the work of the day ahead. Um, and so in Psalm, one, in Psalm 84, we have this movement from this, uh, this kind of wistful uh, you know, uh, you know, reflection on the blessing of those who get to live so close to the temple. And the psalmist is reflecting as a person who has to journey and take a journey to the temple. And yet as the, as the poem advances, it, it brings us into the posture of that person who journeys and offers us a reflection on, uh, on the, you know, this kind of, there's a pivot in the middle of the poem that we turn saying, yeah, it's great to dwell in the temple, but look at the birds who make their nests there. It isn't just that they are in proximity to the temple, but also they are taking shelter and are, are expecting that, that their life will be upheld and protected by, by making their dwelling in the temple. And there's an added meditation through that contemplative viewing of the behavior of those birds uh, that, you know, it draws the psalmist to conclude that, yeah, it's blessed to dwell near the temple and to be able to access it continually, but even more so as the person who understands the meaning of the temple and who in, in even in journeying from afar to the temple puts their trust in the Lord. There is greater blessing in the one who lives very far away from the temple, but who in their journey toward it and from it, and to it and from it retains that confident trust in the Lord. That person is more highly blessed. And then as we pivot over to Psalm 134, we're, we're, there's this quick psalm that's addressed primarily to the priests of the temple and specifically calling upon them to not only just kind of go about their practical duties at night, but to continue to offer prayers in the nighttime in the temple after the public have gone their way. And this is a significant um, emphasis to, to lay down because you know there's, there's a kind of prayer that in order to mature as, as the faithful, we have to offer outside of the duress and the, um, the reactivity of, of, um, of, of petitionary prayer, of, of kind of situational petitionary prayer. Um, we can sometimes get into the mind that prayer is just me reacting towards God about whatever is happening in my immediate circumstances. 
Um, and that's certainly a valid way to pray. However, it is, um, it is also a kind of a shallow, shallow way to pray, and it keeps our faith shallow. Um, what the psalmist is calling the priests of the temple to is a prayer that is not occasioned by um, the responsibility they bear to the public or by whatever they're bringing to them, but rather to, to have their own devotional life that isn't just professional. Uh, to have a devotional life that isn't um, isn't just the performance of a duty, but to rather but rather to have a, a devotional life that deepens their own soul, and that proves to be a necessary thing um, as we get into the Ezekiel lesson. We'll recall that Ezekiel is from a priestly family, and if it weren't for the Babylonian captivity, he would have been dwelling in the temple, uh, and he would have been he would have been present there. And as the Lord speaks to him, one of the things the Lord calls out is that shallow um, devotion that the priests and prophets specifically of the temple had um, had lapsed into. Um, and the occasion he's pointing out is in the, in the as of the first wave of exiles has gone off to Babylon, even though it's clear that the judgments foretold by the prophet Isaiah and Jeremiah are coming to pass, even so um, the uh, there's a great sense of questioning and crisis in Jerusalem as to whether or not the Babylonians are gonna be allowed to sack the city. And in an unfortunate overextension of their um, their office and ministry, uh, the priests and prophets of the temple make the error of of rushing to comment on this um, on this question in a way that is uh, a, a an inappropriate overextension of what they're called to say. They are they have not in fact been given a word of the Lord to say, and so the right thing to do is to say, look at what has already been said which would put them back in the prophecies of Isaiah and Jeremiah, which would explain the matter, or they should just say, I don't know. And sadly, in that time, as well as in our time, um, this common thing exists that clergy will sometimes uh, rush to comment on things that are not theirs to comment on or for which they don't have a particular insight. And yet, because of the gravity of their office, um, they'll be taken seriously in a, in a way and in a context that they should not be taken seriously. And so what this leads to is ruin because people respond to their message of peace and like, oh, the Lord's going to deliver us out of this, guys. Um, and the Lord says, no, I have not said that to you. Um, and in fact, I mean the opposite because I've told my real prophets the opposite of that in times prior. And so this leads people to be ill-prepared to confront the captivity and it leads them to an even greater desolation when the city finally falls. Um, because they were fed a false gospel of peace. Um, and as a result of that, their their heartache was even greater because they were led to believe a false view of what God was doing and so could not be prepared to meet the difficult um, path and journey of being faithful to him in that captivity. And so uh, there's a warning there. And again, that ties back to that de that devotional life of the of the of the person who loves the temple, who dwells at the temple the person who makes their home with God, um, that they, you know, it is those, it is that deep meditation um, away from the kind of reactive spaces of life of responding to the imminent needs of everything that we get a sense for the bigger pattern of what God is doing. And it allows us time and space to reflect and remember and to tie together the things we have already been shown and told. And so this comes to bear as St. Paul exhorts St. Timothy in his final letter to him, to his son in Christ, um, that there will be, there will continue to be many, even in the church, um, who fall away from the true gospel and offer a false gospel 
Um, and yet he warns St. Timothy, don't be reactive to these people. It is not yours to go and hunt them down and, and put a, you know, and to tag each of them. Um, what is yours is that for the fate, for the people who are gathered to you, who are your children in Christ, as you have been my child in Christ, your job is to be a stable place that those can, that those who come to you and are around you can be corrected, can be directed, can be guided um, in a peaceful way. Um, but even then, uh, you know, St. Paul says to St. Timothy, you know, your job is not to, you know, coerce them into a new kind of belief. Your job is to bear witness to what is true and not to not to step outside of what you know to be the truth. And if there's a situation that you don't know how it applies, like don't say anything. Because in so doing, these people that Paul has spent an entire chapter talking about have led many astray, and we continue to do that. And he says, God knows whose are his. Um, and he is at work in the hearts of those he is drawing to himself, and he is at work through you to persuade those who are seeking and wishing to find. So all you, what, all is your, that is yours to do is to bear witness to what is true. Um, and it may be that God will give even those who are hard-hearted a repentance and a better mind. Um, so that they may be turned back to the truth. So as we would endeavor as Christians to be faithful ministers of the part of the church's ministry that is entrusted to each of us, um, we are called again to a depth of prayer and not just in the kind of reactive petitionary mode, even though we have to petition, uh, but even so to be called to that deeper, that deeper prayer. Uh, and that deep prayer will stabilize us and allow us the freedom to say, I don't know, the remembrance to say we have been told what we need to know, or in, a, in those rare moments where we are uniquely given something to say by God, it'll give us the confidence to say that and only that, and then to entrust the matter to God. And so with that, we will entrust ourselves and those we love in intercession tonight as we close with the intercession on page 590. Accept, O Lord, our intercessions for all mankind. Let the light of thy gospel shine upon all nations, and may as many as have received it live as becomes it. Be gracious unto thy church, and grant that every member of the same in his vocation and ministry may serve thee faithfully. Bless all in authority over us, so rule their hearts and strengthen their hands, that they may punish wickedness and vice and maintain thy true religion and virtue. Send down thy blessings, temporal and spiritual, upon all our relations, friends, and neighbors. Reward all who have done us good, and pardon all those who have done or wish us evil, and give them repentance and better minds. Be merciful to all who are in any trouble. And do thou, the God of pity, administer to them according to their several necessities, for his sake who went about doing good, thy Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Ghost be with us all evermore. Amen. Thank you all so much for joining in tonight, and thanks to Aaliyah, my co-leader tonight. Hope you have a wonderful evening. Thank you, Father Hayden. Good night, everybody. Bye. Thank you very much. Have a good evening.